So y'all good? How many of you are actually prepared for change? I mean, you, you know, you, you, you do have to begin to prepare for change. You, you, have, to, you have to get your mindset right. Uh, you know, one of the challenges that uh, faces uh, the nation of Israel is the, in the, some, of the, some of the countries that they're wanting to have peace with is, is the, 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 other, the other nations that uh, they would enjoy peace with, they're not, they don't actually prepare for peace. See, it's hard, it's hard to prepare for peace when you're teaching your children that, hey, there, you know the reason that there's sharks in the water is because Jews don't want you to, to, to get in the ocean. Uh, and and when, you're, when, you're, when you're teaching uh, a mindset, a belief system that, that causes you to think someone is against you, you're never going to be at peace with them because you can't trust them. And see, a lot of us haven't really prepared our heart for peace with God because we haven't changed the, uh, the propaganda that we're putting into our soul. We haven't changed the thought processes that we use to uh, engage a new level of thought with God, to align with God. The Bible says that uh, he has shown you, a man, what is good, to, to, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God. God's invited us on a walk. Isn't that awesome? That God himself, the creator of the universe, the God that's made everything, has invited you to walk with him every single day. But Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Well, you can't agree with God if you don't know what he said. See, uh, one, one of the hardest things that we have to do as a believer is to let go of old things and embrace new things. God said, my ways aren't your ways. My ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You going to bring it to me or make me come get it? <laughs> uh, but, but we have to get ourselves positioned to agree with God, and the first step of that is to stop telling ourselves that we're right. You know, uh, it, 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 and a lot of times, you know, the things that we're dealing with in our life that, that we're struggling with, and it's like, you know, it's, it's not like it's, uh, maybe you don't have, let's put it this way, maybe you don't have gross sin in your life. But Hebrews 12 says that since we've been surrounded by such a great host of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us run the race with great endurance, setting aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us, and keep our eyes riveted on Jesus. And by the way, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. And, and, and it says that we're supposed to take off every weight and the sin, and not everything that you've got to get rid of in your life is sin. You know, sometimes it's just the weight. It's just it's something that you've carried your entire life, something that was put on you. Uh, may, maybe it wasn't even your fault. Maybe it's not even a belief system that you developed, but it's something that, uh, it, you know, it, it comes down through your family line or, or it's just part of the hair, just the way we think. But you have to be willing to separate yourself from that so that God's way of thinking can be introduced to you and you can receive it. Amen? You, you know, you need, you need to prepare yourself for change. Instead of digging your heels in to prove you're right. Because you'd rather be, wouldn't you rather be effective? Wouldn't you rather be powerful? Wouldn't you rather be healthy? Wouldn't you rather be truly fulfilled? Wouldn't you rather know real joy? Wouldn't you rather have more life than death, more joy than sorrow, more peace than chaos, more hope than despair, more provision than lack, more healing than sickness? Wouldn't you rather have the life that God came to connect you to instead of the one where you spent all of your time, effort, energy, and resource just proving that you were going to win an argument? Because most of the time, what we're struggling for to prove is stuff that nobody else in the world except us actually care about. Look at your neighbor and say, that's not a big deal to me. 
You know, uh, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to take a few minutes today, and, 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 and what I want to talk about are uh, some statements over the next couple of weeks. I want to talk about statements Jesus didn't make, things Jesus didn't say, you know, just maybe, maybe from a different perspective so that we can actually position ourselves for transformation because there's certain things that, that, that we carry that prevent us from actually experiencing the transformation that God has intended for our life. And, uh, you, you know, so, so today I, I just want to talk about this statement. This is something, and I want to make sure I clarify it because I don't want you going out of here thinking backwards, is this is not what Jesus said. This is what he didn't say, okay? Jesus did not say, you're right, they deserve it. Okay? You're right, they deserve it. And, and, and a lot of times, you know, in life, we encounter situations uh, with other people, and... Uh, you, you know what, the, the, the truth is they could use a good whooping. Come on now, you just had three or four faces pop up in your head right there. You know, that's, that's, that is right. And, and, but Jesus didn't say, you're right, they deserve what they should get. Jesus said, we're supposed to forgive them. Okay. So uh, uh, Muhammad Ali got on an airplane and it was getting ready to take off, and, uh, and of course, he's up front, first class, and, and uh, they, they kept waiting for him to put a seatbelt on, and, and he wasn't doing it. So finally, the stewardess, she went to him, and she said, Mr. Ali, uh, the plane is ready to take off. You're going to need to put your seatbelt on. And he looked back at her, and he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she said, Superman don't need no plane. Put your seatbelt on. There ain't no Superman in here today. Ain't none of us Superman. We're all kind of like in the same boat, okay? Like, like we're, all, we're all flesh and blood. And, and we all deal with stuff. Look what Jesus said to Luke 17. He, he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It is impossible. Everybody say Impossible. It's impossible to go. A lot of us are under the impression that if we accept Jesus in our life, suddenly everybody's going to like us. You know, like everybody's going to be nice and, and, and like, yeah, hey, I'm going to go to church and people are going to treat me with honor and respect. I don't know what church you're going to, but it's impossible. It's impossible to go through life without experiencing some offenses. Hello? Somebody's going to do something wrong. Somebody's going to look at you wrong. Somebody's going to put shame on you or humiliate you or, 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 you know, I mean, God only knows anything can happen. They're going to insult you. Look at somebody and say, don't you do it. You know, here's the deal that's going to happen. What you and I have to do, if we're going to be followers of Christ and really be disciples, transform. We've got to learn how to deal with that. Amen? It was interesting. Uh, in, in Israel, uh, the guide brought this up that in New Zealand... Uh, 41% of the birds don't fly. I don't know if, 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 if you're even interested in that, but that, that caught my attention. You know, 41% of the birds don't fly. They're just walking around on the ground. And, uh, and, and instead of wings, they just kind of have these little nubs because they, they don't fly. Well, why don't birds fly? How come so many birds don't fly? Well, because it, New Zealand has no predators. There's no snakes, no wolves, you know, no, nothing out going after the birds. So they, they learn not to fly. And see, a, a lot of times uh, we, we, we don't make the connection, but it's, it's the opposing forces 
that teach us, that train us, that discipline us to, to develop our ability to elevate. You know, we all want to. We all want to use Isaiah. You know, and uh, they that wait upon the Lord will mount up with wings as eagles and fly. But, but you know what? Without the opposition, you're never going to fly. And and, and it's sometimes it, it's the hardest things in life that cause the greatest uh, you know increase of strength that you possess. Israel is very strong as a nation, and, and they attribute the strength that they have to the great opposition that they face throughout their history. You know, instead of, instead of, you know, looking at the opposition like, like it's a problem, really, maybe that's what the Bible meant when he said, hey, what you should do is consider it a sheer gift, my friend, whenever you fall into temptations and trials, knowing that the working of your faith is going to produce endurance and is going to cause you to get to a place where you, where you lack nothing. You know, the problem isn't the problem. It's the attitude about the problem that's the problem. And if we could get that, you know, we, we, could have, uh, we could have real growth in our life. In 2 Samuel, there's a, uh, there's a story, and we're not going to read it, but um, there's a king who died. He's king of the Ammonites. He died, and, uh, but David said, you know what? He's always been kind to me. So let's, let's show him some honor. So he took two of his mighty men, and he gave them instructions, and he sent them uh, to... To, to where they were at, to just show honor and respect. But as they approached the city, uh, you know, that king, that new, that prince, you know, is going to step into that new position. He was surrounded by paranoid people who said, you know, I, I just don't think that they're actually coming in peace. I think they're coming with, with, under false pretense, and I think they're going to measure out the city. I think, you know, I think they're casing the joint. I think they're going to, you know, they're going to look at our weak spots, and they're going to figure out how to come, because there's no better time to attack us than right now. And so we, we need to show them uh, the, that we know what they're up to. So they took these, these two mighty men, uh, and, uh, and they humiliated them. They, what they did is they shaved off one side of their beard, and, and then they cut the robes off. They cut the robes off in the back above their buttocks. And, uh, and you're all looking at me so serious. I thought it's kind of funny in a way, you know, because, you know, it's just, it's, but, but it was a humiliation, and it's kind of like sending them home like spanked babies, you know, and, and, and they're going out, of, and they were, you, you know what, they were on assignment of their king. They were in the right place doing the right thing, but they had the wrong reception, you know, and, and they weren't received correctly. They were totally misunderstood and then sent out, humiliated and, and dishonored. And can I tell you something? On their way home, they were offended. I mean, there's people that probably could respond to them that could one up their story. You know, the three Hebrew children, they were thrown into a fiery furnace. Heated up seven times hotter. You know, Daniel, he'd look at him and say, yeah, I went to a, uh, into a lion's den. I wish that all they'd done is shaved off half my beard. Because there's always somebody who can one up you. But regardless, in their situation, you know, man, this, this, was a, this was a pretty hard experience, pretty harsh. And they're headed home offended. And I really like what King David did is David heard what had happened. And so he sent messengers out to catch him before they got home. And he said, here's what you do. Don't come home right now. Go to Jericho. And it's important to understand that the word Jericho, uh, one of the meanings is a sweet place. And so he sent him to Jericho with these instructions. Stay there till your beard grows back. We'll send seamstresses, and we'll help you with your rope, right? Everything, everything's going to be okay. But just go, go to Jericho, and, and, uh, so you don't have to come home and show everybody your shame. Uh, but go to Jericho, and, and, and it'll grow back, and it's, it's all going to be okay. 
And can I just tell you that right now in, in, your, in your life, in your situation, chances are you, there's some area of life where it's quite possible that you could be carrying just a little bit of offense. It, it might be big, it might be small, it might be deep, it might be shallow, but you're carrying an offense. But what you need to do is find the sweet place and, and, and just follow the instructions of your king. Because when they followed the instructions of their king, David waited and he made sure that they did what he said. And when they did, then he called the rest of the mighty men, put an army together, and he went and handled the situation for them. And that's a godly response. Can I just tell you something? That, that, that God doesn't take offense lightly. It's not that he has overlooked your offense, but he's looking to see if you're going to take his role or if you're going to let him be your God. See, because if you can let him be your God, I'm telling you, the end result's going to be way better than if you try to handle it yourself. Somebody say amen. You know, and, and what happens, what happens is, you know, you, you get in a church like this, and, and, and you know what's going to happen? Can I, can I, if you're just fresh to the garden, let me tell you what's going to happen. Somewhere along the line, you're going to get wounded. You're going to join the choir, and, and, and somebody's going to offend you. You're going you're to become an usher, and you're going to us wrong. You know, you're going you're gonna to sign up and help park cars, and then some jack wagon's going to throw your bird. You know, it, there's, always, there's always an opportunity for offense to come. You're going to get wounded. They're going to roll their eyes, or something's going to be said, or somebody's going to lie about you. You know what we call that? Church life. It's actually just life, isn't it? It's just, it's just life. And, and uh, you know, those guys, they, they didn't go prepared to fight. They, they, they were only seeking peace and trying to show honor. And they got sent home humiliated. But, but then it's, 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 and then they're sent to a sweet spot. Well, you know, it's hard to stay sweet when you're offended. That, that, that's a big enough job. That's your job. It's just to keep your attitude right all the way, all the way to Jericho. Just get to Jericho and let God handle it. Check it out. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourself but rather give place to wrath. Give place to wrath. It's interesting because the word place means a position of effectual opportunity. You got to get yourself in the right position. You got to get yourself in the right position. If you get, if you get in the wrong position, you're going to end up with the wrong results. Here's what, here, here's what we don't understand is that obedience isn't about an act. It's about a position. Submission isn't about the act. It's about the position. Honor isn't about what you're doing. It's about the position that what you're doing puts you in. When you begin to obey God, you're in the position to receive things from God that only the obedient receive. If you take matters into your own hands, you're no longer obedient, so you're out of position. You're still on the team. I said you're still on the team. You're just in the wrong position. You know, when the boys were young, they all played baseball. How many of you guys got kids? Any of, you, any of your kids play baseball? You know, with three boys in baseball, let me tell you what it taught me. It taught me how to hate baseball. Um, I loved it when they were little because the games were fast and there was just one a week. And, you know, later on in life, with three boys, they had three games plus practices each. So nine baseball games a week and trying to get to all that stuff. And it's like, oh, my gosh. You get to the point and they just went on and on and on. And we, you know, it's, it's, it's forever. But when they were little, it was fun. And, and you know, you'd, you'd watch them and, they'd, you know, uh, TJ, he'd be out doing cartwheels in the outfield. You know, every once in a while, some kid would get lucky and smash a ball out there, and, and TJ. Okay, he's on the team, 
but in the wrong position. Okay? See, you might have the mitt, but you got to be in the right position if you're going to catch the ball. See, and a lot of you, a lot of you, you know, you're, you're, staying too, you're, you're staying too little. Is it okay if I'm pastoral for a minute? You know, you're remaining too young. You know, hey, when you, when you, when you were little, it was cute. You know, people are snapping pictures of it, putting it on the fridge. But, you know, when you're, when you're 21 and you're doing cartwheels in the outfield, it ain't cute anymore, right? Some of you got, you, you got to decide that you're not, you're not going to live cute. You're going to live effective, right? Because, you know, like it or not, uh, I kind of think you might be in the big leagues now. I, th- I think you might be in a position where God is actually wanting to do more not only for you, but through you than you've ever known before. But in order to get it, in order to see it, in order to receive it, it's not just being on the team that matters, it's being in the right position. And he, he, said, he said, give place, give place, get in the right positions for, for wrath. Uh, for wrath. For it's written, vengeance, read that with me really loud. Vengeance is mine. I will repay Let's, just that part, let's read it again. Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Vengeance is mine. You know, two things that God says are his that we're not supposed to touch. The tithe and vengeance. I wonder if there's a connection there. Because if you're willing to touch the tithe, you're probably willing to touch vengeance. What does that do? Puts you in the wrong position. It, 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 it shifts you to where you can't receive. You're praying prayers that God can't answer. See, uh, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we're going to receive the very petition that we've requested of it. Well, how come I'm praying but God's not answering? Because you're out of position. You're not praying according to his will. You're praying according to your will. You're saying it's my will to handle this but God said, I don't want you to handle it. I want you to go to Jericho. I want you to find a sweet spot. I, I want you to trust me. I want you to believe me. I want you to position me to move on your behalf because I am able to do exceeding abundantly above and beyond anything that you can ask, think, or imagine. I'm telling you, God can handle your situation in ways you never even dreamt possible, but you have to be willing. You have to be willing to let him do it. If you drop down to verse 21 there, it says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, how, how are we going to overcome the evil that's, that's in the world? With, with good. So we're going to do this thing God's way. Hello, somebody. I said, we're going to do this thing God's way. You know, uh, if you release the right of ownership in a situation, God will take up ownership for you. And when he owns the problem, he can solve it. You have to just have the ability to just simply to say, okay, God, I'll put it in your hands. I'll put it in your hands. I'm going to trust you. Uh, you know, and, and here's, the, here's the crazy part is I already know you can do it. I already know I can do it. I know that none of us are going to do it all the time, but, we, but, but, but we'll never do it more if we don't prepare ourselves, right? You got to be prepared for change. So you, you, you got you to begin to tell yourself, you know what I'm going to do? I, I, I'm going to walk with, 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 a, with a spirit of forgiveness. I'm, I'm going to walk with, with an intentional attitude of forgiveness, and see, a lot of people are under the impression that forgiveness is about the past. Forgiveness isn't about the past. 
You know, the past can't be altered. All you can do is take your past to the altar. Right? They ain't gonna, nobody's going to change anything. What they said, they can't unsay. What they did, they can't undo. You know, what occurred can't be unoccurred. But, 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 so forgiveness, though, you got to get this. It's not about your past. The word forgive is, is two words put together to make one. For, in advance. Give. Give represents a gift. A gift is something that's given to someone who's done nothing to deserve it. See, a lot of us are wanting somebody to earn forgiveness. They don't need to earn it. It's a gift. And it's a gift that's given in advance. The forgiveness that was given to you and I from God, it was given long before we were even formed in our mama's belly. This, this gift of forgiveness wasn't about our past. God knew that we were going to make mistakes. If God knew that you were going to make a mistake, you ought to know that your spouse will probably make one too. If God knew that you were going to screw up, then you ought to understand somebody at work's probably going to screw up. Somebody's probably going to do something to offend you, but in advance, I'm going to release you from that right now. Well, if I do that, people will take advantage of me. You can't take advantage if I give it. What am I going to do? I'm going to live like a believer. I'm going to trust God. Why? Because the end result is so much better than if I try to handle this stuff my way. Come on, somebody. You, you know, uh, uh, the different reasons people have to, to, to not forgive. You know, well, it, uh, it's, it's just too big. It's just too big. Well, that's actually a bigger reason to forgive. Because the thing you're carrying is too big. It's, you said it. It's just too big. Well, I just don't think I can get over it. No, you can. You just don't want to. Uh, you know, well, are you belittling my... No. No, I'm not. Uh, but how many of you guys saw the movie Black Hawk Down? Anybody read the book? In the book... In the book Black Hawk Down, remember when the when, when the uh, when the helicopter is on the ground and the you know and, and the bullets are flying and almost you know lots of people have been uh, you know fatally wounded already and there's a small handful of them and the commander looks at one of the guys standing there and there's a truck and he says you got to get in that truck you got to get it started and you're going to drive us out of here we 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 cannot stay here any longer we have got to go you got to get in that truck get it started and drive us out of here and, and the guy looks at the commander and he says I'm shot. And the commander looks at him and says, everybody's shot. Shut up, get in the truck, and drive. Why? Because your life depends on it. So I got, I got a word from God for you today. Shut up, get in the truck, and drive. Come on, somebody. Everybody's wounded. You're not special. You know, and, 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 you know, and I get it. I get it that, hey, it hurts. But if, if you're going to live, you're going to have to move on. You're going to have to get up, you're going to have to start moving, you're going to have to start rolling, and you're going to have to operate in forgiveness. And if you don't, then you're stuck. And if you're stuck, the last thing you want to do is reach out and take hold of people who shouldn't be stuck. Well, when they repent, I'll release them. What are you talking about? They're at Disneyland. You know, they're off having a great life. What do you mean when they repent? It's... They're over the issue. I, I need to talk to you about something. Okay. You know seven years ago when you said this to me? No. <laughs> I don't. You, you know, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I don't know, seven hours ago. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh my gosh. You know, that's a dumb reason to, to stop and be paralyzed. Man, I'm telling you, what God has for you is so awesome. That the anointing of God on the inside of you is so powerful. 
that the lives and the ability to change the world is so magnificent to be hung up on something that happened back there. You're thinking wrong. You're living wrong. You haven't prepared for change. You have to prepare for change. I will walk in forgiveness. Well, they're just going to do it again. Well, then we'll just forgive again. I'm not going to give somebody else the position of the authority in my life. You don't get to dictate my life. And, and you, you have to be willing to release and, and let, let it go. Somebody say amen. amen. You know, the devil wants you to think that you're probably the only one that's dealing with something like this and nobody else can understand. You, you just got to understand that, man, I'm telling you, everybody understands offense. Everybody. In Acts 14, Starting at verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying this, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. We must, through many tribulations, you know what? There's going to be a lot of junk in life, but you're going to get there. You're going to get there through much tribulation. You, you know, Proverbs 24.10 says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Isn't it interesting he doesn't talk about your enemy? It's, it, it, no, if you faint in the day of adversity, it's because your strength is small. Man, how about, how about you, well, shut up. Get in the truck and drive. Man, you're big enough. You, you've got what it takes to do it. Paul Harvey, uh, you know, in the rest of the story, remember those? And in the rest of the story, one of Paul Harvey's stories, it was about a young man who was suing his parents. And the suit was based upon the fact that the young man was so ugly. This is a true story. He was suing his parents because he was so ugly, and the basis of his suit was this, that if this is the best you could do, you shouldn't have even had kids. And Paul Harvey's point was, you can't always blame somebody else. It can't always be somebody else's fault for your position. You can't keep shucking it off and saying, well, they should have known better. You should have known better than to be offended. You should have known better than to take the offense. You should have known better than to carry the offense. At least be smart enough now to walk away from the offense. Why? Because your life is worth it. I know the struggle is real, but so is the blessing. The blessing is worth it. Come on, somebody. The enemy wants you mad enough to quit. Don't, don't play to his hand. Okay? You know, remember what Jesus said about forgiveness? He said, you know, and he gave a mathematical equation. It's 70 times 7. How many times should I forget? 70 times 7. Every day. 70 times 7. And it's not about keeping score, but it's about losing count. It's just about losing count. I heard Jensen Franklin say that uh, uh, his daughters, you know, he, he, that, that was his statement. You know, it's not about keeping score, but losing count. That's his statement. And his daughter sent him a picture. Because they'd, got, they'd gotten together and they went to a tattoo shop and they got, they got their tattoos 70 times 7. And they sent him the picture and his response to them was, you tell your mother. Oh. And, 
<laughs> but as he's talking about it, he's, he said, and I, I know that some of you probably, you might, you, you know, if I do this, you probably leave the church. But he said, you know, thinking about getting my first tattoo right, right here, 70 times 7. So that when I'm driving, it, it, you know, I can see it. When I'm, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm, you know, mowing, I can see it. When I'm preaching, I can see it. And, and you know, if somebody does something, you say, I, it's okay, I got you. I got you. 70 times 7. 70 times 7, guys. Let me tell you what Jesus didn't say. You're right. They deserve it. That's not what he said. He, he, you know what he said? I'm right, and you deserve it. You deserve the freedom. You deserve the health. You deserve the breakthrough. You deserve the increase. You, 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 come on, somebody. You deserve the healing. You, you deserve the life. You deserve the joy. But you're going to have to be in the right position to catch it. Amen? Can I pray for you today? Would you close your book and bow your head? Father, today, as we, as we just press into you, God, we want to prepare ourselves for transformation. We want to have a collision with transformation. I'm praying that people's lives would be radically changed so that, God, that we can be who you've called us to be, accomplish everything that you've called us to accomplish. So, Father, help us to position ourselves correctly. Help us get in the truck and drive. Well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're in this place and you've been living a life separated from God, you're living your life. Can I just tell you that there's a much better life? And you might have all kinds of excuses for why you, you haven't really surrendered your life to Jesus today. How about we get over the excuses and we, we say, you know what? I'm going to give my life to God. I, I want real relationship with Jesus today. We're all going to pray this prayer together. And, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray it as if it's just you talking to Jesus today. And I, I, I really want the opportunity to agree with you in prayer. So if you're here today and you say, you know what, Tom, I'm going to make this real. I need to get real with God so God can get real with me. If you'll pray that and you're serious, and would you let me agree with you? So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, uh, would you just hold your hand up and say, Tom, that's me. Then I'm going to make this my prayer today. I'm going to make it. Just hold your hand up really high so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's awesome. When everybody in here just pray this with me, just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I know I need you. I need your love. I need your acceptance. I need your forgiveness. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Give me hope. Give me strength. Give me vision. I choose to live for you and for you alone. I'm starting today, right here and right now. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Come on, everybody, give God a hand this morning. Celebrate. It's awesome.